On the original films, I was looking for somebody who really understood classical movie scoring. And I was talking to Steve Spielberg about it, and he had worked with Johnny on Jaws and said, you know, this is the man for you. He's perfect. He really understands that medium. And once I worked with him on Star Wars, you know, I wouldn't have anybody else doing it. I've been uniquely fortunate to continue to accompany George on this great journey that he's on which seems now to be a, a life's work journey. The great sword fight at the end of the film, the decision to make that choral was just the result of my thinking that it should be, that it should have a kind of ritualistic or quasi-religious feeling to it, if you like. And that the introduction of a chorus might be just the thing. One, two, three. the Wampa's Lair podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, have been frozen upside down to the cave ceiling with nothing to do but talk all things Star Wars. So make yourselves comfortable, but keep a wary eye out for trouble here in the Wampa's Lair. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 442, Ranking the Scores, Part 3. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Yoda to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire. Is that just because I love living in a swamp planet, Jason? Is that all that's about, and you live in the desert? That is exactly what it's about, Carl. That is exactly what it's about. And after 10 years of podcasting, everyone listening to us would hopefully know that, although we may have a new listener. So, hi, I'm the desert dweller. Carl likes D- Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> all too much, maybe. All too much. I mean, I think the reality is I would probably hate living in a swamp, but I just love the visuals of good old Dagobah. Um, but Jason, we are here to finish our ranking of the Star Wars soundtracks. It's been so fun the last couple of weeks. Just putting down where these albums all, all rank for us, highlighting some of our favorite tracks. This has been a blast. And also tonight marks 10 years since the release of our very first episode 441 episodes ago which is just wild to think about um and i can think of no better way to start our second decade of star wars podcasting than by talking about our some of our favorite pieces in star wars music and of course so many of you were gracious enough to send in some really wonderful questions um about star wars about our time podcasting and we're going to get to all of those after we have finished out our ranking. So 
Um, if you're a, a new listener, you might be like, who don't even know who these guys are? Why do I care about that? Don't worry. You don't even have to listen because we're going to do the ranking first. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, if you're curious about somebody who's been podcasting for 10 years in the Star Wars fandom, then you might find the questions interesting. You know, even if you haven't known us for, you know, oh, this time, gosh, I'm such an old fogey Carl. oh man yeah well uh and we also have a new type of poll slash matchup for you that we're going to premiere at the end of the episode uh i got a a fun new idea that we're gonna have some fun with in the coming months in the coming weeks so stick around for that of course at the end as well um but uh yeah, Jason, I think I think we should dive right into our top our our, our, our yeah, what we have ranked to be our the, three favorite Star Wars scores. And obviously if you've listened the last two weeks, you by process of elimination know which three we have left. Um Jason and I share two of the same in our top three here. Yes. And uh I'm trying to remember, is it I believe you start first this time, right? I think I do. Yes. And what is it's both of our number three ranked Star Wars soundtrack. And where are we going, Jason? Well, uh, we're going to go outside of the main nine films and we're going to hit Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, this is a movie that kind of caught me by surprise. It's a super fun movie, but it has one of the best album listing experiences of any Star Wars score I've, I've ever listened to. And the only reason it's not like number one for me is due to nostalgia purposes. Mm-hmm. Like it honestly is one of the most, the, the original solo score release is one of the best overall listening experiences of a star Wars score out there. Just purely listening. So, uh, in my opinion, um, but nostalgia prevents me from having it any higher than three. <laughs> so we'll start there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to just real quick second that that's, you know, when I, when I think of this score and again, talk, we're talking about the original release, not the deluxe edition, which is also phenomenal in its own right. Um, but this is the one we've lived with the longest and for n- pure nostalgia reasons, I just, I, I couldn't quite bring it to, to go higher than three, but you know, in another 10 years that could change. It could. It could uh, because we just haven't had as much time with this one uh, as some of the other scores. Yeah. And that being said, real quick, worth also worth noting that the the two full scores we listened to in their entirety when you were out here visiting me uh, two weeks ago, we listened to the entire uh, solo record. We listened to the vinyl copy that I have. And then, of course, we listened to the deluxe Phantom Menace score. <laughs> so um, needless to say, we love those those particular soundtracks Uh uh-huh yes yes we do (laughs) (laughs) um that being said i should jump into the music from this score that really makes me tick um we're gonna go ahead and start with one of the most unique sounds ever come out of a star wars movie uh and that being good old chicken in the pot Um, 
Now, I I love this track. I prefer the film version to the soundtrack version, which they did change in the uh, deluxe uh, solo score. Um, so with, with the deeper male voice as the the second um, singer, but I love both versions of this song. It, it's just a really fun piece of music. It's got that you know a different kind of beat and a different kind of sound from any of the other sort of source uh music that we have in star wars and it's just a really really fun piece of music i there's not a lot i have to say about it but it is just one of my favorites um out there uh and i believe was that this may or last may when uh, in our musical may that we did force cues i can't remember but this was on there so mm-hmm. <laughs> um What's funny, though, is many of the tracks that I have in my favorite uh, as, as favorites on this score are from the same section of the soundtrack. Um, <laughs> and we're actually just going to kind of work well, our way backwards in terms of tracks here uh, for the, the next one I have on my list. Can I can I quickly just make a quick interjection just because sure. I don't have this track on my list and, uh, and I want to just say Ooh. something about it really quick. Sure. Um, it was hard not to put it in, but again, I I, could, I knew I could trust you to put it in there. Um, yes. But just to, to again, in case anyone wasn't aware of this, John Powell was on a. And I, I feel like a jerk that I can't remember which podcast he was on, but he was on a podcast about a year ago, um, and talking about the the score, and he shared why there were these two different versions of Chicken in the Pot. It was because he had written the version that we we were just listening to with the female vocalist. He had written that they had put that in the film and then kind of last minute they said, we actually want this to be different. So he re-recorded it with that different singer and that's why we didn't get it on the soundtrack because it was kind of a reshoot in a sense. Um, so that's why there's the two different versions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, late minute change or last minute change, I should say. Anyways, um, the next track I have uh, is – Marauders arrive. One of the things I love about John Powell's addition to the Star Wars musical lexicon is the heavy uh, emphasis on drums integrated with the other instruments of the orchestra. It's so good. Um, the other reason I really love this track is the the women's choir that they have here. It's just such a unique sound for, for vocals in 
Star Wars. Uh, you know, we have a lot of, you know, obviously we got a lot of vocals um, with the prequels, uh, with the the sort of Greek chorus that we have talked about, um, with the likes of, you know, Battle of the Heroes and Duel of the Fates. Uh, but this is just a very different kind of sound. Um, and Carl, remind me, this is this is a a women's choir with that. Uh, sings without any sort of vibrato, correct? That's yes, uh, yeah. And again, that was something he talked about on the um, on that podcast that he was on. It was also in one of the interviews he had given before the movie came out, uh, or shortly. Excuse me, shortly after the movie came out, because a lot of folks were assuming this to be a children's choir, and he was like, "I don't know how people think kids can sing like this because they can't." <laughs> um, yeah. And it's a, I, I'm trying to remember exactly where the choir comes from. I don't remember. It's a I believe it's a certain type of choir from Eastern Europe, but yeah, it's an adult women's choir. Yeah, it's a very difficult type of singing. So uh, I, I thought that was a really cool, fascinating uh, choice to put in the soundtrack. And obviously it, it very much um, has is the, the identity of the bandits there uh, as they try to take over the train uh, from Han and his crew. Uh, but speaking of Han and his crew, the next track I have, I'm just working my way backwards on the soundtrack at the moment, is the train heist. Um, the the primary position I, I want to start with is the, the train heist uh, stuff itself. So as we transition from the, uh, the campfire to the actual heist, we kind of start here, Carl. Man, I I love it because it does obviously the the underscoring of this music sounds like a train running across tracks, which is just always fun when when a score can do that. But the the horns definitely give it that sense of adventure, that sense of of tense excitement as they're about ready to to pull this off. Um, and and it's just a great piece of music, and, and having that run right into uh, the Marauders arrive, and then Chicken in the Pot is probably my favorite overall section of the the solo score um as well as flying with chewy which is the previous track to this on the the soundtrack but not one i chose for this discussion so that that section of four tracks kind of is my own musical identity for the solo score um so that's that being said there is one track that I have left on this score that I really want to talk about. Um, that it is my favorite track, uh, and I, I kind of leave this last. And it is my favorite track because it is sort of the the identity uh, a lot of the um, the score because it is worked so much into you know the entire score, much the way across the stars is worked into the Attack of the Clones score. Uh, 
the Imperial Marches worked into the Empire Strikes Back score, that sort of thing. It is, of course, The Adventures of Han, the Han Solo theme. I love this theme. It is fast becoming one of my favorite pieces of music in all of Star Wars. Um, it, it is a such a terrific theme. Obviously, it's got an A part and a B section. Um, I prefer the A section, the the section that we just like listened to there. Um, I know Carl has other thoughts about <laughs> that, but I'm sure he'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but it is just uh, a great heroic theme uh, for a young hero. This this is the this is a young Han Solo. This is a Han Solo who hasn't, you know, had the time to get as cynical as he is in uh, A New Hope. Um, he's getting some of that in this movie, but he's still heroic and hopeful and just looking to to make his mark on the universe. And, and this is the music that kind of gives that youthful exuberance, plus kind of takes him through the rough patches as well. But... I freaking love this this score and this track in particular. So there you go, Carl. That's my my number three. <laughs> well, you one are... thing I will say yeah. is that uh, this this score does have a little bit of Back to the Future vibes to it. Ooh. Or this this track does have a little bit of Back to the Future vibes to it. So, um, which I love the score for Back to the Future. But uh, I just something I, I thought of as we were listening to it there. Um, anyway, what were you going to say, Carl? No. <laughs> well, I, I, I love how you do highlight the the fact that the A part of the theme is your favorite. Cause of course my favorite part of the theme is the B side, um, mm-hmm. if you will. And that's like Jason, my number three as well for favorite star Wars scores is of course the solo soundtrack. And the first track I want to highlight is the second track off the album meet Han, which highlights the B side of the Han solo theme. So here we go. I love that this is how the movie both opens as well as how this track progresses. It's the, it is the the B side of the solo theme, but played in a minor key, but underneath all of those kind of low strings that are again, played in this minor sense, there are these, this plucked harp underneath it, which I just really like that juxtaposition of this is, this is the song of someone who's, who's being raised in the darkness, but they're destined for something so much more. 
And then as the track progresses, we get to, of course, the part that sparks everything into motion. I just love, love that moment of the way it builds and the entire, you know, the the glorious notes of the B side of his theme coming through, which, again, uh, this John Williams wrote this. The A part is exactly what you talked about, Jason. It's the the young idealistic hero. But the B side is this what John Williams called because John Williams, of course, wrote this particular piece. Um, but the B side is the searching theme you know that han is constantly searching for something more so i love that that's how the musical movie begins is that what what ultimately makes han special what makes him a hero is the fact that he does search that he is the journeyman if you will um so that's the first track i wanted to highlight good old meet han (laughs) uh so next up for me is jason get ready for this it's a romantic piece Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Uh, that's a surprise. I know that. So it's uh, <laughs> it is of course the the Han and Kira love theme in the track Lando's Closet. love this piece so much you know it really does capture um in a similar way that his theme captures kind of this young idealistic person there's an innocent feeling to this love theme um it's it really gives you the sense of first love kind of the wonder and beauty of that experience of your first love and as ever since i've listened to this track jason you know what it really reminds me of hmm Marion's theme from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Very similar flavors. Also a story of young love. Indeed. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just wanted to highlight that real quick. Uh, You know, both both stories about a a Harrison Ford character (laughs) and and their particular first love. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the Lando Lando's closet track, um, for that reason. And, you know, there's, there's a theme that we get in solo for Dryden, um, the Crimson Dawn theme, if you will. And as the, the track is playing the Lando's closet theme, you get a statement of it here.
what I love is that, again, this track, the, in the midst of this love theme, you get this brief statement of essentially Dies Irae because the the theme for Crimson Dawn and Dryden Voss is very much a Dies Irae type piece, which again, as David W. Collins has taught so many of us in the Star Wars world, uh, this is the Western language for the Song of Death. Um, but what I love is in, in this track of Lando's Closet, and obviously it is that moment when they share a kiss in Lando's Closet in the movie, <laughs> in the midst of this young idealistic first love, there is this very real threat of the new lives that they live. But then it swells back up, right? It swells back into this flourishing statement of that main melody because to me, the reason I love that so much is even though this love may not be able to last forever, while we have it, it's still beautiful. And and it, and I love that. So uh, that's the second track I wanted to point out. Um, now, I was going back and forth for my next track between what you picked, Marauders Arrive, and the piece that I, I picked instead. And the only reason I didn't pick Marauders Arrive is because, again, I knew I could count on you to include it and that needed to get <laughs> some love. But this is this I would it's it's honestly just beneath Marauders Arrive, but I wanted to get an instance to play it. And it's the track Breakout. Um, There's so much great stuff going on in this track, and I'm going to try to be very quick um, with a couple of the things that I love most about it. Uh, So let me go. Right. Yep. We get all this very triumphant music as they're breaking out. But I want to fast forward ahead here a little bit to about the two minute and 40 second mark. And we're going to get the music almost where it pauses to recognize what's going on with L3. I love how the music itself almost pauses and then the strings come in to kind of mourn um, L3 as she's being shot down. But then we get a statement of Han's theme and it's probably one of my favorite statements of Han's theme. And it's of course that moment when he chooses to go back for Lando. Um, Just feel the emotion as, as his statement is his theme is played right here. just you know it's this is an incredibly emotional statement of his theme that matches up to the you know to the decision he makes on screen and and i love that so 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 much um and then of course the, this particular track so there's, there's a lot buried in whenever you have a long track like this there's a lot of great stuff buried in there um and the last thing i just want to point out and this is it about the the uh, oops, nope, not at the six minute, 15 second mark, because that's when the track ends. Um, 
<laughs> it is at the four minute and 38 second mark. And it's where we're going to get a little bit of the use of the, of course, rebel theme from Star Wars itself. And I, I just absolutely adore the way John Powell smacks the rebel theme into the Han Solo theme because this this is a very heroic moment in the movie where they've ultimately helped free some enslaved people. Um, and while Han didn't willingly or purposefully make that happen, it's kind of set him on the course to run in with this this rebel unit. So it's these two themes kind of get mushed together in a very brilliant way. Yeah. Um, and then the last piece I want to pick out, and it is probably my favorite track on the score is of course, flying with Chewy. Um, lots of great things going on with this particular piece. So I'm just going to highlight a few of the, the few moments that, that really, really do it for me. And the first one is, uh, we get a very, uh, kind of triumphant bombastic statement of the Beckett theme right here. Right, so Beckett and his crew have been successful. Uh, and uh, again, here's some musical brilliance. I call these whispered notes. Like, ooh, what's going to happen? What's going on? But things are escalating. Where are they taking us? And of course, that goes into probably my favorite statement of the A side of the Han Solo theme. Uh, so, right there, there's something big and wonderful going on for Han in the musical language here. And again, when you translate to, to what's going on in film, well, he's leaving with Chewie. <laughs> so, um, of course, I would be remiss not to then talk about the Chewie theme that John Powell wrote for us. And it is to me, one of the most beautiful themes in all of Star Wars. I want to play it right from the start here with what almost sound like Christmas bells to me. Right there. Listen to those jingle bells, baby. could listen to this section of music on repeat for a day and be very contented um what i love about it again kind of as you've highlighted a lot jason what's so incredible with what john powell did with the score is the use of percussion the percussion in this particular statement of chewbacca's theme again it gives you that sense of this tribal identity for chewy he's a proud wookie character he's a proud wookie warrior and those drums almost give a sensibility of that 
And then you get these kind of flutes and recorders with these high strings kind of just elevating this music into what I, again, kind of call like this heavenly place. Uh, it's telling us with the music that our character is entering into a whole new beautiful reality. Um, so, yeah, Flying with Chewie, favorite track off of Solo. <laughs> it's a very, very good one. Um, so there you have it there. We just we talked quite a bit about solo because it's so good. Um, but we have different number twos. So I'm going to invite you to share what your second ranked star Wars score is. My second ranked star Wars score is the score from return of the Jedi, which is my favorite star Wars movie. Um, I, I freaking love this score. Um, I, I don't get tired of playing it. <laughs> so, um, that being said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start jumping in with some of my favorite, favorite moments from this score. Uh, we're going to start first of all with the great pit of Carcoon and the sail barge assault. Um, starting at about the 56 second mark and you'll, you'll know why. fanfare we have the return of the jedi mm. um or something like that <laughs> but but yes no this this is when we obviously in the movie we get to actually see the skills that luke has developed over you know the, between the films that we've gotten uh and we we get to finally see the jedi return uh you know, in the galaxy uh, at this point. It, it is also just a, a great track because it's full of exciting action cues, but I love the way it it builds the tension and sets everything up with those those trumpets. Those, I think they're trumpets. They might be uh, trombones, but the the brass stabs at the beginning as, as we, you know, flash from each person involved in this luke leia han jabba you know all this stuff as we we go back and forth and then we finally get the salute and we're off you know it's the return of the jedi and also we get to see our our heroes from this movie finally working together again after they've been separated for almost the entire uh M film in empire strikes back so Everyone's finally together again, plus our new friend Lando. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a really great, exciting, fun piece of music that uh, I, I'd never get tired of. And uh, worth noting, on the 1983 vinyl release of the soundtrack, this track is called The Return of the Jedi. So, mm. so there you go. And you're not wrong. <laughs> I am not wrong. I, I am not wrong. Um, 
That being said, we're going to slow things down a little bit for my next track off the Return of the Jedi soundtrack. Uh, and it is a track that Carl and I know very well from our time traipsing around the redwoods of California. Uh, give us a little bit of the Parade of the Ewoks, sir. One of my favorite uh, tracks to listen to when I'm just out hiking in general. It doesn't matter if I'm in the the woods or or in the desert. Mm. Uh, it is one of those tracks that it you know it has a nice beat, so it keeps me on pace. But it's also just fun because it has that sort of wonder and uh, excitement for you know for nature that seems to just exude from the music itself. Um, it, it embodies the the harmony with nature that the Ewoks have and that, you know, comes out in the music and, and is something I, that every time I, I'm out walking, if I have my iPod, I will put this on. If I don't, I will find myself humming this tune at some point during the hike. So <laughs> uh, it, it is it is just a great theme and one of my favorites uh, from the Return of the Jedi soundtrack. Um, the rest of my tracks that I want to select here for Return of the Jedi are very much on the nose for myself. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with the Battle of Endor number one. There's so much that happens in this over 10 minute track <laughs> that I'm not going to go through a lot of it. Um, but the most important part of this track to me is the opening. Um, it is one of the most uh, defining uh, pieces of music in the entire end battle sequence um, for the whole movie. Uh, and then a lot of it is, is sort of um, specific flavor to what happens on screen. But this opening portion is uh, you know, let it let it breathe a little more. Their shield is still up. Are I got you the sure? readings, are you sure? <laughs> All craft pull up! All craft pull up! 
<laughs> Off with just a little bit there. But, um, yeah, th- this section of Battle for Endor 1 is by far my favorite part of the battle so- uh, score. Um, and it just gets me amped up and excited for the rest of the movie from there on out. So uh, I have to I have to have it featured in my my list here. Ugh. That being said, my favorite track from the score is not even something that's in the movie specifically. Uh, it is the Forest Battle Concert Suite. Um, so there are elements of this in the, the score itself, but the concert suite is at the end of the second disc of the soundtrack, and it is by far my favorite piece. It is literally a non-stop for the entire piece of music. It's almost, it's like a four and a half minute track. And the last minute plus is John Williams ending it. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it just, the ending just keeps going and going and going for just over a minute. I think it's like a minute, 10, minute 15 or something like that from the end of the track. But it just keeps going, and it's it's. I love it so much. Like the this track, I can't. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I just it it just gets me excited and amped, and I, I always have to listen to the whole thing uh, whenever it comes up on my iPod. So. takes 50 seconds to close down <laughs> yes, it does it, it really does oh it's so good and i can always just imagine that at the end of that piece the entire orchestra is just going oh i need a breather <laughs> uh, i know i need a breather after just listening to it but um there, there there's why return of the jedi is my number two love it Love it. Well, my number two is The Phantom Menace. And again, Jason and I decided initially we're just going to do the original released album from 1999, but then decided, but the the double disc set is so darn good that we would be remiss not to be able to use that as well, which is actually why it beat out solo for number two, because the double disc Phantom Menace score is definitely my second favorite score. 
Um, if I only had the initial release compared to the solo, solo would edge it out for sure for me um, for listening experience. But because I can listen to the whole score, it gets an edge. But that said, we both took two tracks from each version. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> um, but my first, uh, the first track I want to highlight is Jar Jar's introduction and the swim to Otto Gunga. I just love this very playful music that starts us off right from the get go. Um, and listen to that, that percussion beat. It just, it feels like an amphibian, right? Like it just, it feels like a Gungan. That's, that's what a Gungan sounds like in musical language to me. I I love it so much. This is again, the brilliance of John Williams. Um, yeah, it, and it really does set a tone for the movie itself. Phantom Menace is very much the story of, of innocence in the galaxy and, and uh, and the goodness of the inherent goodness of the galaxy. A little bit later on, as the track progresses, we get a choir brought in as we make our way to Otto Gunga. pointed this out earlier jason with uh marauders arrive right that we have had choirs in star wars before but they've always been male choirs and uh granted the only time we had choir in star wars from the original trilogy was the men's choir for the emperor's theme and of course the men's choir when luke goes ham on vader (laughs) in death star 2 so chronologically speaking this is the first time we get a female choir in star wars and it's for this swim to auto gunga and it really, ooh, actually, so I guess in a way I should take that back because we do have there's uh, a siren, the, the in, sam, uh, yeah, the Emperor, sirens call in Empire Strikes Back, right? When they're approaching Cloud City, you have that high note from a, a very high soprano note, it, you know, indicating this call of the siren. Um, yeah. But this is different it's, from that, right? This is yeah. this is a song of wonder and awe, you know. I mean, it just has such a religious feel, and for someone like myself who who loves that sort of stuff. Uh, this particular track is just so, so good to me. Um, and then the last little tidbit I want to play from this, from the track is, uh, it actually has, it comes from much later in the movie, but they just throw it into this particular track on the score. And it's the moment when R2 and 3PO first meet. And I love the triumphant statements on trumpet we get here. Right. It just uh, I I love that that's in there, too, because there's such a sense of like dignity to it. But uh, uh, yeah, I I, I just I had to I had to give that a quick shout out um, as well. That's great. It's it's so it's so good. Um, Self-importance. Yeah. Yeah. It it, it really (laughs) does kind of kind of embody that. Um, but my next two tracks do come off of the ultimate edition of the score. And the first one I want to highlight is the track Anakin is free. I love these determined strings as it begins. Yeah. These are yours. Yes. Mom, we sold the pod. Look at all the money we have. <laughs> you know, uh, 
exciting. So wonderful. So this this is, again, kind of a longer track, it's, and there's a lot going on in it. Um, so I just want to highlight a few things. The first thing I want to highlight is this statement of the force theme that comes in. much of this track and again I, I there's so many things i want to point out but i'm not going to for time's sake uh but it's a very emotional track which is exactly why i love it so that's why i'm just going to kind of hop towards the end of the track where we get anakin's final departure from his mother um so it's right here <laughs> into this what, what I find to be the most emotional statement of the Force theme. I'm so glad you had that in there because I it missed my my list just barely. Um, but it is one of the most powerful moments in the entire movie. Um, so I'm glad you you had that that featured here <laughs> in the the music episode. So thank you, Carl. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that entire track just tells an emotional story where things go from. You know, it starts with a determined march, and then you have emotional strings, but also in the middle of it, you get playful renditions of Anakin's theme filled with the wonder of what life means on the other side. But it does end with this very mature, almost sorrowful rendition of the Force theme, right? The Force was right in pointing out the importance of Anakin, but is it right to take him away, right? And I think so many of us talk about how the original sin of the prequel trilogy was separating Anakin from Shmi. Um, so, uh, the next track I want to highlight off of the, uh, the ultimate edition, totally different feel and vibe. And it's the track, the racer roars to life. I love this. I love how like big and exciting and fun it feels. 
as it kind of builds to this crescendo note. Uh, again, like the 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 movement of the music itself is it goes up into the stars, right? Which is what the very next scene is, is the them looking up at the stars and Anakin wondering about how many there are. And what I love that the music does though, is, is it once it hits that crescendo note, it quickly does come back down. It has to settle back down into reality. And I love just that simple statement in the music of uh, that beautiful reflection on life is whenever we hit those really beautiful highs in life, we still have to come back down, right? We still have to come back to reality. And they're the way the music kind of trickles us back down into the reality of Anakin's life is just brilliant to me. So yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yep. And of course, last but certainly not least, because in fact, it's my favorite piece off of the Phantom Menace soundtrack is, of course, Anakin's theme itself. Um, you know, in the same way that Across the Stars is the language of Attack of the Clones, the Imperial March is the language of Empire Strikes Back. The Anakin theme, it's not used as often as those other themes in those particular movies, but this is the lifeblood of the Phantom Menace score. And it's this just, you know, really beautiful, wondrous music that's really sustained on the strings. It goes up and down. The the track itself is a journey that we get to go on. And it's so good. Um, And uh, just a couple little things I want to highlight. Where is it? Right There is this just, again, these really high heights that this track takes us to. But notice as it settles down, it settles into the Vader theme, right? Some notes from the Vader theme. Because ultimately, that's what this this character's journey is going to lead us to, is that march to the Empire. Um, and as it closes out, we get further statements of that right here. So yeah, no. Again, that that's the the wonder and magnificence of John Williams is he can write this beautiful piece that captures the innocence and wonder of a young Anakin Skywalker, but take us on a journey through that entire track that ultimately ends down in these minor notes of the Vader theme because that's where he's destined to go. Yeah. Little bit of foreshadowing. Um. <laughs> indeed, indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. Just like that, we're to your number one, Jason, which I, of course, know is my number two. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Uh, my favorite score in all of Star Wars is The Phantom Menace. Um, and this, number one, it is just a fantastic score. Number two, it is the one that started my love affair with classical music and film score in general and Star Wars music in particular. Um, I was given a, you know, uh, the score as a gift for my, I want to say my 11th birthday in 2000. Ugh. Wow. <laughs> um, dating myself, Carl. Um, but that's, uh, that's, that 
soundtrack lived in our CD player the entire summer. Um, and I played it multiple times a day, uh, for months. So <laughs> it would have been hard pressed for anything to beat Phantom Menace out. <laughs> that being said, my favorite tracks have changed, you know, throughout the years, uh, including one that I didn't think was going to end up on this list until I rejiggered my list at the last minute today. Um, Carl, let's go on a trip to the Nubu Temple and have an audience with Boss Nass. reason why i love this track other than i love the sound of this the intro as we get through <laughs> it has sort of a a slow kind of dance sound to it while still being tense uh for what they're trying to do it's great it's absolutely phenomenal uh But, yeah, it, it's just one of those tracks that just comes back around and gets stuck in my head. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun. It also goes into um, – it has part of Jar Jar's theme later on as he's talking about uh, Odagunga being deserted and things like that. And then we, we do get the audience with Boss Nas. It ends on a very triumphant note as the peoples of Naboo come together, um, which I, I love all of that. But the – you know – it is this opening part of the track that always kind of gets my attention and I never fail to just sort of like bob my head to it uh, at the very least when it comes on, e- even if I'm just absentmindedly like comes up on a shuffle or something, you know, uh, I just love it. I don't have any explanation other than that. <laughs> um, and that's from the uh, standard release, um, the, the initial release. The next two are going to be from the extended. And then my last one is also going to be from the standard release. Kind of like Carl. Funny how that worked. <laughs> um, the, the next two are both from the second disc of the extended uh, release for uh, The Phantom Menace. And we're going to start with Qui-Gon and Darth Maul meet on Tatooine. It's a short track, but it's a fun track. It's got anticipation, excitement, triumph, and warning all wrapped up in it. Um, And it's just – 
a, a really great piece of music that just sort of it, I don't know it, it it has it all almost you know um, <laughs> I, I just love it uh, I, a lot of my favorites here at the very end there's not a lot I have to say about them because I just freaking love them <laughs> and that definitely goes double from the next track I've got here um, probably the most fun piece of Star Wars music in my opinion ever um we got a parade carl I just love it so much. It's so great. It's so fun. The added bonus is the kids are singing the Emperor's theme upside down, essentially. You know, it's just a reversed Emperor's theme that John Williams decided to slip in and sneak in on us. So uh, that was just a bonus when I found that out. I've always loved this piece of music. Ah, so fun, so good, <laughs> so exciting. I I just love it. So, uh, it is of course Augie's Grand Municipal Band on the Sanders soundtrack. Um, on the extended score, it is called the Parade. Um, either way, you, whatever name you give it, it's just good. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good. Um, but for the last track, I've got to to hit us with on this countdown, Carl. Uh, we're going to head back to the standard soundtrack for The Phantom Menace and this, the piece of music that really started it all for me um, and is possibly one of the, the most defining pieces of music for the entire Prickle trilogy, and that's Duel of the Fates. Feel free to talk because it's quiet for a moment. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't have a lot to say about this, Carl, because it is it has just become part of the fabric of my Star Wars fandom and my uh, enjoyment of Star Wars music. It is the piece of music that really, you know, like I said, this this score set me on this journey of of you know enjoying Star Wars music, and this track is the one that really made me sit up and pay attention. Because um, obviously I recognized it specifically from the movie, but oh, I just I love the the way that the whole orchestra plays with the choir the entire time and the back and forth that goes on. It's just so epic. 
and I, I say epic, and I know that's an overused word nowadays, but I mean epic in the most grandiose way possible when it comes to this piece of music. It is it is the definition of an epic, and it is epic. So. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all I got to say, Carl. Uh, I think we'll let the music speak for itself then. What a jam. (laughs) It is. It what, really is. What a jam. All right, Carl. Uh, I've finished my countdown. Um, why don't you bring it home with your beloved Empire Strikes Back <laughs> score? <laughs> happy to. Happy to. Well, and I want to kind of echo a little bit of what you were just saying when you introduced Phantom Menace. And the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack was the score that did it for me the way Phantom Menace did it for you. This is what made me fall in love with Star Wars music in general, um, or excuse me, in particular, but music soundtrack in general, right? So this was kind of my entrance into that world of classical music and film scores and how, you know, eventually how music itself tells a story. Um, But I mean, like we were saying a bit earlier, the reason Empire Strikes Back remains my number one score even though phantom menace deluxe really gives it a run for its money it just it does there's such an element of nostalgia to it and 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 i would say healthy nostalgia because again for the same reason as you it opened my my worldview in a whole new way um Mm -hmm. and it was this score that did it that said if i was your age and had kind of come into star wars right around the time of the prequels I'm sure Phantom Menace would have been that for me. It was just more a, a, a chance of circumstance than anything else. Um, right. But that said, The Empire Strikes Back is, to me, the most beloved musical score of all time. It's, it's my favorite musical score, um, not even just of Star Wars. Um, but yeah, uh, that said, I have a few tracks I want to highlight, and the first of which is Han Solo and the Princess, which introduces us to the love theme for Han and Leia. And as that main melody is playing, um, I'm guessing that's a French horn. Again, I could be wrong. It is. Good. Um, but as that French horn is playing the main melody, again, I, I just love the beauty of these plucked strings on the violins in the background. Again, that kind of sets up the sense that this this love story is something really special. Uh, it's something really divine in a way. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to let the melody play out one more time. Enter 3PO. <laughs> the biggest intrusion on love ever. 
but I, I want to include this right here because we get the Imperial March. And while the Imperial March is not a favorite track of mine in Star Wars music, and, and, I, and I understand why it's so beloved by so many, I like that it's in this track, Han Solo and the Princess, because this, this track is mostly about their love. It's their main melody for their love. But it's just a reminder that in this score, nothing is safe, right? That the Empire is always hunting you down. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my first track I want to highlight. My next one is a little bit lighter and jauntier, and it's the track Lando's Palace. I love just how light and breezy this is. Again, it because Lando's palace, this theme isn't for Lando, actually. It's for his palace. It's for Cloud City. And it gives you that sense of airiness and safety. And there's a breeziness. Um, this is a place where you can finally put your feet up, um, both within this movie and even the score itself. After so much stressful, tense a- action music, we finally get um, a moment of respite. Uh, and that's really what this theme is. And I, I remember myself included, but like when the solo movie came out, I was like, oh, no Lando's Palace? Like, right? No. Why isn't that theme in here? But then it's a reminder of that's for Cloud City. It's not Lando's theme, right? right. Sadly, doesn't seem that Lando has one in either solo or in the <laughs> or in the main movies. But hey, when his TV show gets to spotlit, I'm sure he's going to get a theme. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, but into that like jaunty air again, we're going to get some stabbing notes right here. Is nothing safe in the Empire Strikes Back, Jason? <laughs> no, nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing is safe, Carl. <laughs> um, the, the, the next track I want to highlight then from the score is actually going to take us all the way back to the last track on the soundtrack, The Rebel Fleet. on the the violins there they kind of sway back and forth back and forth to me it gives the feeling of a lullaby you're being rocked in a cradle which is how this story ends is we've just gone through hell and we finally unlike lando's palace where the safety was false we finally get the sense of being cared for the music takes care of us here um we're we're safe at last uh, and then we get this beautiful statement of the force theme. Whoops, I went right past it. Actually, excuse me, the love theme. <laughs> so again, it's a reminder... In this music, in this musical story, that 
in light of all the loss, in light of all of the, you know, the tension and anxiety, um, this love story will win out. And, uh, yeah, I can't think of a, a better reason to, to, for me to love a score or a, a piece of music than that, Jason. Um, yeah. so you know, that, that rebel fleet piece is just, it's so wonderful. And, and it comes up a lot when people talk about star Wars music, but my last piece of music, which is of course my favorite track in all of star Wars, Jason is of course the most mystical, spiritual, wise piece of Star Wars music, Yoda's theme. like you Jason there's not a tremendous amount I can say about this track because I just love it so intensely right it's it's in the marrow of my bones this this particular track just resonates Um, it's so spiritually enlightened it's so beautiful and obviously the the primary draw for me in Star Wars is the spiritual force side of any any element of the stories and that's what Yoda's theme really just beautifully encapsulates is that that sense of spiritual wonder. Um, one yeah. little uh, – as the track kind of goes on, it is worth noting that we get somewhat of somewhat playful music that also uh, highlights a part of Yoda's personality too right here. So I, I guess that's almost like a B section of the Yoda theme, if you will. Yeah. Um, but I love it because there's a playfulness to it. You know, Yoda is, he is a wise spiritual character. And part of what has helped enlighten him is his willingness to be playful, right? Uh, there was that sense of wonder for Yoda in Attack of the Clones while he's training yes. those younglings and it kind of gets lost because of the Clone Wars um, and all sorts of things. But part of what makes Yoda so special to me is that he finds the wonder in being playful. Uh, and, and I think that's a huge element of what we are here at the Wampus Lair, Jason. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, you know, uh, I'm going to do a super rookie mistake for folks who've been doing podcasting for a decade and say, that'll be my segue into... Uh, <laughs> into uh, the next part of our conversation for this 10-year celebration. Because um, that's it for me. That's how I rank the film scores. Yoda's theme, of course, is my pinnacle piece of Star Wars music. Um, and uh, yeah, so again, thank you to everybody who who listened in for 
all of this conversation around all 11 film scores of Star Wars. And Jason, I'm sure there will be a, a point down the road where you and I both will come back and look at the music of Clone Wars and Mandalorian and Rebels yeah. and Bad Batch and the Ewok movies. Yay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's still so much Star Wars music we have yet to talk about, but we wanted to focus on the, the film scores for this. Um, so we appreciate all of you who who took that musical journey with us. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you very much. And, uh, and now, Carl, it's time to, to switch attention to the very kind questions that uh, many of our listeners decided to submit uh, as we celebrate 10 years of podcasting, which we've been saying this so much you know recently but 10 years is a long time and something i never anticipated reaching but here we are i know (laughs) it is absolutely wild absolutely wild and the only thing fitting is of course the dex diner music to 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 bring us into these (laughs) incredible questions that so many folks took the time to write into us um you know and it is at Dex's Diner where we would have trivia night, um, and this is kind of what we're getting. Is the, the I don't know what I <laughs> trying to make a connection there, and it didn't quite yeah. work. Um, no, but it, you know, as you said, Jason, it's it's been it's it's wild to think it's been a decade of this show. Um, it's been an incredible ten years, um, and you know I. I have been very vocal on our social media this whole month and especially this week, just pulling out old pictures of us from back in the day, going to early celebrations and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, But, you know, this is when I, when I look back on my life, even at 36 years old, I mean, this is one of the longest standing things I have in my life, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I'm honestly quite proud of, of what we've built here. Um, I'm proud of the community who has become part of our story as well. Um, and that's exactly what we're going into is, uh, we, we asked you to send us any questions you have, uh, about the podcast or star Wars in general. And we got a, we got a mix of both of those in the bag that we are super excited to dive into. Um, so let's get right to it, Jason. Let's go. Let's just go in the order they were given to us. What do you say? Sounds like a plan to me. Um, shall I read off the first question? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, um, Rafaela says, do you guys have any head cannons that you would love to see happening, uh, in star Wars and Rafaela? Yes. The answer is yes. I do have one. I have a big one. I have talked about it a few times uh, when we have talked about, you know, stories we would like to make in Star Wars. Uh, I want to have some sort of story where – and I do have a headcanon that, that this has happened – that uh, the pirate Maz Kanata had a run-in with a certain uh, 400 to 600-year-old Jedi master named Yoda – Years and years and years ago, um, and that they had to end up teaming up together uh, because of some larger pirate or bandit threat. Uh, so I, I, I have had that thought in my head ever since Maz mentioned that she is a thousand years old or so. 
Um, and I would love to see that happen. I, I believe that they have run across each other at some point and I would love to see that, you know, put out there somewhere and maybe, uh, a, a standalone movie or a comic series, uh, or something, you know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I also have one. Uh, it's the, it's the one thing, and again, I think I've brought this up on, on the show in the past as well, but one particular piece of headcanon that I hold to be very true, and I would love to see this expounded upon, um, probably in either a, a comic book or, or a, it would be tough to make this a full novel, but um, even just a short story of some kind. But it's the story that Luke's lightsaber is comes from Qui-Gon Jinn's kyber crystal. Ooh, um, yeah. Right. So this is we actually get this uh, in the old Legends canon. We do get Luke building his lightsaber in, in Obi-Wan's hut on Tatooine during Shadows of the Empire. Um, but he, he cooks this crystal, right? There was no kyber crystal mythology developed quite like that in 1996. Right. Um, so what we have now is, all right, well, Luke's on Tatooine. He has a new lightsaber. He probably didn't know to like go to Ilum or something like that to, to harvest a kyber. So... What other lightsaber was Obi-Wan carrying around? Obviously, Qui-Gon's. So mm-hmm. and to me, my headcanon is that Luke builds his new lightsaber with the kyber crystal of Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, so I'd love to see some sort of story that that kind of shows that. Um, where And again, this has never been established in canon that Luke would have this ability. But right, like Quinlan Voss has that force ability that when he touches things, he can kind of see where they were. Um there's never been any reason to think that Luke doesn't have that ability. So it'd be cool. And that's why I do feel like it'd, it'd work well in a comic book, but like Luke first picks it up and then you get like this flash thing of, of Qui-Gon, you know, standing with Obi-Wan on the, you know, the, the ship at the beginning of Phantom Menace or something, right? Just like this understanding that the legacy of Qui-Gon, which is immensely important as far as force ghosts go, but mm-hmm. he even lends his kyber to Luke. So that's my big head cannon. I love that. I love that. And I would, I am 100% down for that to become real. Get on that, Lucasfilm. I know you listen to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish they did. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> and and we have such a huge impact on what they do. Um, <laughs> uh, but that is that is Wampa's Lair level canon there for everyone. Um, anyway, what, what's our next question, Carl? Sure, yeah. Our next question comes from Kirby, and Kirby asks... What moment in Star Wars makes you say, it's this moment here that makes me who I am today? What one moment in Star Wars has impacted each of us and has made us who we are today? So since I read it, I'm going to go first since that's what you did last time. Okay. (laughs) Um, it's, It's really two moments for me, but they come from the same movie, which, shocking, is The Empire Strikes Back. And it's the moment when... Luke is complaining about how he's not able to lift the X-Wing and Yoda has to continue to tell him to unlearn what he has learned. Um, you know, I, I think as I grew up as a Star Wars fan, it wasn't it, this didn't really mean anything to me as a kid. But as I became like a mature Star Wars fan, it was this constant reminder, I think, in two two fashions as I was reflecting on, on Kirby's question today. There's the the kind of in-universe response of with the amount of new Star Wars content we, we are getting and we're going to continue to get for the foreseeable future, it's incredibly important that we learn to let go of our old ways of consuming Star Wars and understanding what Star Wars is supposed to mean, right? I think that's where a lot of us 
myself included, get into trouble because it's like, well, that's not how it was supposed to be or that's not what it used to be, right? So that 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 insistence to in, to constantly unlearn our old ways of thinking because if we don't sometimes let go of old ways of thinking, we can never really grow into something new. And I think that translates just as well into my everyday life, right? The the fact that that Yoda, the the most important spiritual teacher in Star Wars, kind of reminds us that to progress in life on every facet, personally, spiritually, emotionally, we always are having to let go and unpack things from from the past that no longer serve us and no longer help us be full human beings. Um, so that's the first big one. And the second, of course, is the end of Empire Strikes Back, that moment that they're standing in the, you know, the the medical frigate. Everything went wrong. That entire story, everything went wrong. And yet they still have each other. And that the hope that that gives out that even though we lost this time, the love that binds us to one another with Luke and Leia and that love that reaches out to Han, who's lost in the stars, we're going to be okay. Um, so yeah, it's a nice reminder that no matter how much, no matter how many, uh, lightsaber hits and blaster shots I take in life, <laughs> I'll always have my friends to see me through it. Yeah. That's a good one. This is tough. This is really tough for me because I don't feel like I have like a specific defining moment um, from Star Wars that 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 you know has made me who I am today. I think it's lots of little moments along the way, and just sort of like an overall theme of of you know reliance on of, of being able to to lean on um, you know lean on the the support of friends. Uh, being kind to those who are uh, underdogs or downtrodden, you know, aka, you know, other pathetic life forms, um, <laughs> you know, as Obi Wan would say from *Phantom Menace*, uh, and the the reliance on something outside of oneself, you know, in terms of, you know, with Star Wars, it's the Force. With me, that transfers to my faith, you know, so it. It is something that it's a lot of little things and and themes that I think have have, have sort of picked up and been uh, highlighted and emphasized and reinforced through Star Wars over the years that really kind of have have defined me um, and, and 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 have kind of made me who I am today. I don't I don't say there's one moment because that's really hard to pinpoint for me, but it is sort of an overall theme and overall sensing uh, and an overall arc that we see played out in many different ways throughout the entire saga um, that has kind of shaped, you know, who I am today. So it's hard for me to pick one, but overall, yeah, definitely. So love that. Thanks for that question, Kirby. That was wonderful. It was a great question. Um, all right. Our good buddy jazz uh, has sent in three questions for us. Um, what has been the first one is what has been the greatest challenge in the past 10 years of podcasting? Carl, uh, what's been the greatest challenges in the past 10 years of podcasting? Um, inconsistent internet. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in all honesty, that's, that's the, the practicalities of just recording with 
sometimes yes. faulty internet, uh, disagreeable uh, Discord and or Skype <laughs> services. Mm-hmm. Th- those are really just the the meat and potato challenges of it all. Um, so, yeah, what would you say? I was going to say at, at one point when I first saw this question, I was going to say just the ability to keep doing it week after week sometimes. But no, uh, it's been very easy to keep keep going with the podcast. Uh, but it is, yeah, the, the the technical hitches that we've had to work through have been the greatest challenges um, at times. So, um, Jazz also asked, "What sort of Star, what Star Wars podcast do you listen to yourselves?" Um, I'll answer this one first. Uh, I I don't listen to very many anymore. I listen to episodes here and there of some podcasts, but I don't listen to a ton of them right now, just because there are so many, and I'm I'm overwhelmed by the amount of Star Wars podcasts out there. Uh, I will say one that I will never miss an episode of, though, is uh, My Star Wars Story, which had one com- had a new episode out for the first time in, like, over well over a year, um, like last month I think it was, maybe a month and a half ago. So I'm hoping that gets some occasional releases again. But uh, I, I don't listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts consistently, kind of jump around between a few at this point um anymore just because there are so many and it's so hard to keep up with everything mm-hmm. anymore which i think is a, a reason to quickly interject thank you to all of you who continue to listen to us because there is there are so many great star wars podcasts out there yeah. you know i mean a decade ago we were one of maybe a dozen and now we're probably one of a hundred you know i mean i don't know if there's quite that many but there are a lot of star wars shows um, and you know, I've kind of like you, Jason, I've listened to episodes from all sorts of different ones, especially if there's something in particular I want to hear, like they have a, you know, a John Powell guest or something like that. Um, may, because I don't really have a long commute for work anymore. Cause I'm primarily working from home. That's, I would always listen to podcasts in the car. So I don't listen as regularly as I used to either, which is probably why we don't have as many listeners anymore either. Um, right. but the ones that I have consistently continued to listen to as of late is what the force, uh, the Force Center and Sky Talkers. Um, I think uh, what the Force and Sky Talkers, especially, do a really good job of <laughs> intelligently breaking down the myths and symbols of Star Wars. Marie Claire over at um, What the Force is just absolutely brilliant with all sorts of that stuff. So I, I love listening to her as well as the the, the expert guests she has, um, and uh, uh, you know the the. The girls at uh, Sky Talkers, Caitlin and um, oh my gosh, I feel like a jerk. I'm gonna I feel like a complete jerk. I forgot the other person's Charlotte, Caitlin and Charlotte, I believe are their names. And um, I can't remember which one, but one of them also lives in Boston, which is just really cool. Um, at least they used to. I don't know if they still do, but th- they also do great work. And Force Center with Ken Napsick and um, oh gosh, I'm also gonna forget his name. Oh, Joseph Scrimshaw, who are both comedians by by trade and have some really intelligent humor between the two of them. They, they do a great, great job. And they also have so much content. They do like, I think they do like two or three episodes a week. Like it's unbelievable. Um, so those are the ones that I've been listening to the most lately. That's, that's awesome. Uh, 
Uh, and Scott Rifen is the one who does my Star Wars story. Yes, and, by the way, and Oops. right, that's it. Like I've I've always loved my Star Wars story. Unfortunately, Scott kind of kind of just got out of the game a while ago. He's got so much going on. Um, and you know, we'd be remiss to not at least shout out the the Sarlacc Pit, who was an inspiration for us starting the show a decade ago. And I I don't think Sarlacc Pit is doing new stuff anymore. It's been a while since they've done a new show. Uh, I think 2019 was their last episode. But you know, Chris and Matt, the 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 two guys over there, they're you know, they're part of the reason you and I even met Jason. So, uh, yep. their model of just being a, a show of two fans that love star Wars, talking about the things they love in star Wars was, was a quintessential model of, of how we started Wampus Lair. Absolutely. And of course, just a shout out to Riley and Bethany and Mark over at star Wars report. Um, when I, when I'm really curious about the news, I'll jump over there and see what, what's going on and talking about, um, Still, uh, even though they're they're starting to wrap up, um, and they're obviously the ones that helped get this show started, and uh, and just what it is today. So them and everyone at the Star Wars Report Network has been fantastic over the years. I, I miss those folks. I miss seeing them semi regularly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Jazz had one more question. <laughs> um, what would you like to do within podcasting in the next 10 years? And where do you see the Wampus Lair in the year 2031? Um, Always I in have, motion is the future, Jazz. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I have a pipe dream, Carl. Yeah. Uh, I want to host a stage at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> yeah, that's that That was a dream of mine once too. But I think it's, it's fading into the uh, – the mists of Dathmere for me, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm I'm with you on that. It, it would be fun to 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 do something in a in a public place uh, at a Star Wars convention and and just get to love on Star Wars together. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, and as far as within podcasting for ourselves. I just want to keep putting out really fun content that hopefully people can check in each week just to have a laugh, to have a great time, and to hopefully even think about Star Wars in a new way a little bit. Um, you know, I consume Star Wars a lot. Um, I don't always consume new content right away. Like, I mean, there are lots of folks who are really good at that. I mean, I watch Star Wars movies almost every week. <laughs> um, I listen to the music a lot. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm the type who likes to digest things uh over a long period of time. I mean, I was, I was, I focused my graduate studies in scripture, you know, uh, stories that have been around for 2000 plus years. Like I love digesting things over time. So, um, hopefully people will still want to come in and, and hear us maybe think of star Wars or think of something we've seen a thousand times, but in a new way. Exactly. And, and that is the, the goal is of our podcast and has been the stated goal of our podcast for a long time, almost since we started is to, uh, be a place that just has fun and is a positive, um, a positive place to talk about Star Wars. So, um, you may not like everything we talk about. That's fine. Uh, just come back to the next episode because I'm sure we'll talk about something you like there. So, you know, <laughs> um, but we, we, we don't have time to, to get into things that we dislike because it's too much energy. And there's too much that we do like to, to waste time on, you know, the the nitty gritty quibbles and, and irritations that we have with Star Wars. Because uh, there's just so much out there that is good and fun that we enjoy. Yeah. So. 
Um, thanks, Jazz. Jazz is often my Tuesday afternoon buddy that I watch Star Wars with anyway. Uh, and, and obviously, as he lives in Norway, it's not easy to see him. So <laughs> I love that we get to uh, we started this tradition actually right around the start of the pandemic. We just said, Hey, we're all stuck at home. Let's watch star Wars together. And, and I love watching star Wars with jazz. Um, so thanks for those questions, buddy. Uh, our next question also comes from a, a real good friend of ours, uh, who's been with us since almost the very beginning, Jason, of course, it's, uh, one of the most positive forces in the Twitter world too. Jeff Fishbach and Jeff asks us, how did it feel to walk through Endor's forest? <sighs> For those of you who don't know, uh, was about two years ago now, uh, Carl and I went out to Northern California, um, San Francisco, and then we drove up to the Redwoods and we got to walk through some of the areas where they filmed uh, some of the uh, indoor scenes, uh, particularly the speeder bike chase. Uh, and it was one of the most surreal and magical experiences that I've ever had. Uh, we on the spot and with almost without communicating decided to film a mockumentary while we were out there. That was something we came up with on the spot and we made it. It's on our YouTube channel, which gets very little, uh, new content, but, uh, (laughs) check it out. Um, but that was one of the most fun things that we've done. And it was just a, a really fantastic and, magical experience just those trees by themselves give off an air of wonder and majesty and and things like that so the fact that not only was i in those trees in nature but also that it was in star wars with carl and we were making a little a little fun documentary it was just incredible yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it was exactly that it was magical jeff i mean it was absolutely magical um, you know, the, the, the summer before that, Jason, you and I went to San Francisco for the first time and we went, we bopped around, uh, like near Mere Woods. We couldn't get into Mere Woods that day. We didn't realize that you had to like schedule a time, blah, blah, blah. So we just found like another local park, not far from Mere Woods. So we got a little bit of the Redwood experience, but it wasn't quite the same. And yet that was still so cool to us. But then when we drove up, you know, into that Northern Redwood forest uh, along the Avenue of the giants and into that grove where they filmed the speeder bike chase itself. I mean, even if you're not a star Wars fan, just the, the beauty of that space, these massive trees, like how clear the air is, how crisp it is. It's just wonderful. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we were at one point just, I sat down on a log and was just like, closed my eyes and was breathing the fresh air. And it just like popped in my head. Like, Jason and I should do something creative while we're here. And it was just like, I was like, Jason, do you want to make a documentary about the battle of Endor? <laughs> like Jason always is with anything you suggest to this guy. He was like, uh, yes. <laughs> and yes. we just came up with how to do it on the spot. And it was so freaking fun. I mean, we were playing star Wars that entire day. Um, and it was, it was so much fun. And I know I've told this story before, but there was such a part of me that was really, really, and it's so foolish. I mean, I'm, I'm in my thirties and I'm walking around the forest, but there was such a part of me that thought I was going to see an Ewok. Like, I was like, I know I'm gonna, like, I just, there's, there was this, there was this little childish part of me that was like, there's gotta be an Ewok in here somewhere. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Oh, but, uh, thank you for that question, Jeff. And, and as always, thank you for 
all the things you have done over the years for this show. And you're always so quick to share us and talk us up. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff, for being who you are. Indeed. Uh, our next question comes from Tom Peters. Uh, and Tom asks, um, what is one skill each of you feel that podcasting has helped you improve? I have uh, I have an answer that I'm so quick to say, but I also know it's a little like, uh-oh, I don't know if it's true. I was going to say, I feel like I've become more succinct. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, as we're, as we're now approaching the uh, hour 40 minute mark, I, I realize I should probably be eating my words. Um, but uh, <laughs> when we started this show, I was in my second year of teaching. I was a high school teacher at the time, and I was over-preparing all my class notes at that point too. But I was doing the same thing every week, Jason. I would sit down for an hour plus and like lesson plan out every single episode, every little thing I wanted to say. I feel like I've become much better at being succinct with what I want to say. And that served me very well in my professional life. I mean, I've done ministry work most of my professional life. So giving sermons, leading reflections on retreats with students. I feel like I can say something impactful with less words. Um, again, those of you who are listening to the show, you're probably like, Carl, that's not true at all here. But <laughs> I feel like it's at least helped. <laughs> Well, I, I will say I think for me it, it's it's similar. It's along the line. I won't necessarily say it's made me more succinct, but it's made me uh, really stop and and consider and process what it is I want to say before I say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's helped develop. What's that like? The, the ideas, you know, help me to develop the skills to think things through before i i just spit it out uh there are episodes where i just start you know you know going on ad nauseum about something and i i don't do that sometimes but overall i will say that my uh ability to to consider and to uh think through an idea before i talk about it is definitely been improved for doing this podcast over 10 years because you know we you know we have to do that on a weekly basis to keep things moving along uh, in a way that's, you know, enjoyable to listen to. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's that's the big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks for that question, Tom. Uh, super, super helpful to think about. Indeed. Um, I'm going to let you do the next series of. Well, no, no. It's my turn, isn't it? Go ahead. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> Uh, so trying. we have a we have a couple of questions, um, and some of the questions. Uh, so th- these come from our friend Philip Liebold, and Philip has also been a longtime friend of the show. Uh, we had the um, the great fortune of meeting him and his wife at Celebration Anaheim back in 2015. They took us out for coffee. We had a great time. Philip's just a, a spectacular guy, and like me, Philip works in the ministry ministry world. He's he's got a lot of ministry degrees as well. So of course his questions were super self-reflective, which I appreciated. So yes. uh, Philip asks us, if you could go back in time to share your Star Wars podcasting expertise with young Jason and Carl of 10 years ago, first, what advice would you each give to your younger selves? Uh, the numbers don't matter. Because <laughs> back when we were first starting, it was like, oh my gosh. 
is even anybody even listening? And we literally would spend I, – I don't know about you, Carl, but I would literally spend every week before the podcast um, for, I don't know, the first year or two of podcasting looking at the downloads. Mm-hmm. Like seeing how much we were getting, who was listening, that sort of thing. Um, and while, yes, it, it is nice to know that people are listening and that, you know, nice to know where, where we've been doing well. Uh, but life has changed and people's access or, or, uh, time that they would listen to podcasts has changed due to unforeseen global circumstances. Um, and so over the last 10 years of podcasting, I would say, I would go back and tell myself, Hey, in the end, as long as you and Carl are having fun, having a good time, and there's somebody out there who's having fun with you guys, that's all that matters. The actual numbers don't. So that's something I would tell myself. I mean, here, here, that's exactly the same thing I would say. Is I, I don't even look at our numbers anymore. The last, last time I did was towards the middle of the pandemic, and, and boy, were they down. <laughs> um, and I think that was true of, and you know, I mean, we're part of a network at Star Wars Report. Everyone's numbers were down and the, across the whole network of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I shared earlier, I mean, I've been listening to less myself because I'm not in the car as much anymore. Um, so, but yeah, that's definitely the first thing I would say is just like, yeah, don't worry about the numbers. Like, just have fun. Keep having fun with it. Um, so his next question is what would surprise your 10 year younger selves the most regarding your current experiences of fandom? Oh man. Current, my current experiences fandom, um, that it's so much bigger, like 10 years ago when we were first starting, I was able to literally, we knew almost everyone who was podcasting. Like everyone guested on each other's shows. Um, we had all met at celebration, that sort of thing. Uh, but now, now I just, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than I could have ever anticipated. Um, and so, and I don't know half of the people out there, uh, which is partly because I, I just, I can't handle most of social media anymore, so I'm just not on there. Um, but it's also just because there is such a huge boom in the amount of, of Star Wars podcasts and the people that have decided to try their hands at it um, and more power to them. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest surprise, I think, uh, regarding my current experience um, of fandom. My current, my current expression of fandom? I don't know. It's kind of weird in this stage, but yeah, uh, I would say that's my biggest surprise, I think. Yeah, I I appreciate the – yeah, that, 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 that take, Jason, because unfortunately mine's a little more negative. <laughs> um, but it's just being honest. I, I think I'd, I would have been surprised 10 years ago the amount of vitriol that exists in the Star Wars fan community. Yeah. Um, and I'm not just talking about – Uh, I'm talking about vitriol focused on Star Wars itself, right? You know, I mean, there's, there's the adage, no one hates Star Wars like a Star Wars fan. Well, I've come to the place where I just say they're not fans anymore then. They're just haters. Like I don't call them Star Wars fans. You know, if, if all you bring to the conversation is all the things that you hate about Star Wars, 
to me, I'd say, well, where's the love then? Why is it buried so deep beneath your hatred? <laughs> you know, again, it's okay to dislike things about Star Wars. We both do. Um, but if that's all you focus on, um, and, and I, I mean, I'm just going to name this once really quickly and not dwell on it, but the amount of chauvinism and, <laughs> and racism and bigotry that exists in this fan community, it's, it's, it's sickening how much of that I've, I've seen in the last 10 years. Um, you know, and, you know, we, we never go out of, you know, you know, Jason, you and I, we don't ever make it a point to make that what this show is about, but whenever mm-hmm. these big things have come up in our, in our culture in the last decade, especially as of late, because we had a very vitriol leadership for too many years, uh, um, you know, I feel compelled when you have a platform, you got to say something about these things to ignore them is, is, is a little bit foolish in my opinion. And it's not to say that like, Hey, you've got to agree with me, but you know, when, when really hateful people do very hateful things and then claim to be part of the star Wars fan community, I'm going to just say, well, star Wars doesn't really promote hate. (laughs) So, uh, but that's, that's all I'm going to get into on that. Like, I don't want to make this about that, but I think it is, I would have been surprised a decade ago the amount of vitriol that exists in this community. And it's, it's quite sickening to be, to be blunt. Um, so I love that you've recognized how big the community is, which I think that is definitely a plus side of it. But when you, you know, the bigger the community, the bigger the perspectives you have. And unfortunately, and and I know that this isn't usually the majority, they're just really loud, (laughs) you know, hateful people tend to be very loud. Um, so yeah, that's something that would have surprised me for sure. I I would agree with you on that. Yeah, the the amount of negativity that has gotten the big press <laughs> in a way um would have surprised me because it was a lot smaller back in the day and everyone was just like happy to you know be able to express their enjoyment of Star Wars. You know, not to say we didn't have quibbles with things, but I don't know. I feel like 10 years ago, everyone's just like, yeah, I don't really like that, but here's what I do like. Yeah. Said nowadays, yeah. it's like, no, this is the terrible thing about this. And here's 10,000 real reasons why it's terrible and why you should never like it. And I'm like, when did that happen and why? And yeah, you know, I, I would, I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but d- here's a nice positive spend to things what changes are you glad to see in star wars over the past decade um the changes i'm glad to see in star wars over the next decade is the fact that it's still going uh because when we first started we thought it wasn't you know other than maybe some animated series and perhaps a live action tv show that george had been talking about you know um but the fact that it is just blown up and that the the world of Star Wars um, has basically doubled in the last several years in terms of just the amount of uh, consumable new content is unreal. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think that's the big thing, you know, just a new trilogy. We have the, the standalone movies. We have things like um, – Mandalorian and all the the new uh, uh, Disney Plus programs that are about to to hit us in the next year or two. Uh, it's a lot, and and I think that's the exciting thing for me. And the changes I'm glad to see is that it is still going. Uh, when we thought we were 
you know, when we first started that things were going to peter out. And at one point we're like, you know, we don't know how long we're going to have stuff to talk about, but we'll talk about it as long as we can. Um, and now there's no reason to not just keep talking Star Wars. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I'd echo the same thing as the amount of new types of content we're getting. It, it's awesome. You know, um, sometimes I do, I do sometimes think it's sometimes too much too fast. Um, but I think that they're, they're hitting a, a more even pace at this place at this point, which I think is good. Um, but I would also say something that's been great in the last decade is Star Wars creators insistence of making sure all voices are represented. Um, right. There's there's an intentionality to make sure, you know, women and people of color are getting an opportunity to tell Star Wars stories, because in our culture, that's just they've they've always been forgotten. White dudes like me always get to tell our stories. Um, so I really appreciate that Star Wars is making sure to be more inclusive of the world in which we live in. And I'm sure that pisses some people off. But you know what? <laughs> that says more about you than anything else. Um, so you know, being willfully um, inclusive in the types of people allowed to tell their stories, I think is a really great thing for Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and then the last question Philip asks is what are some things you miss from a decade ago? Uh, I think I miss the closeness of the community a little bit just because it, it felt so much, at least for me personally, it felt so much more connected and so much more like a family. Um, now it's just a huge, you know, conglomeration of people that you know are all great. Don't get me wrong, but the fact that you know, ten years ago, it was it was a small group of people trying their hand at something and learning together and exploring podcasts together and stuff like that. It was just a much smaller thing in the community I think was was very much more a family dynamic rather than just the the big kaleidoscope of friends that we have now. So um, I think that's something I miss. And the, we yes, we have our families still within the larger community that, that is out there right now. But I, I feel like, you know, and that's nostalgia talking. I'm, there's no <laughs> a, around that. Um, but yeah, I think that's something I miss. I, not to say the new stuff isn't equally good and worthy, but it is something I miss. Yeah. Partly because half of those people are retired from podcasting now and I miss them. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I'd say the same thing. Yeah. It just, it felt like a closer knit community, um, you know, back then. And there was a lot of real positives to that, you know, it, it felt very easy to do like cross promotion and to bop around each other's shows and whatnot. Um, it, it was really fun in that regard. And I think also just the simplicity kind of going with the theme of the Phantom Menace scores, just the innocence of that time, right. You know, where, um, you never really thought much beyond, uh, Hey, this is a really fun thing in star Wars. I've always wanted to talk about. And now that I have this podcast, I can, right. So that just kind of that, that, that freshness, that feeling that you had, um, a decade ago, it's, it's, you know, like anything in life, when you've had it for a long time, it can grow stale and I'm not, it certainly is not stale, but there've been certainly some dry spells in the past decade. Um, you know, but at the beginning there, that, that, that first year, those first several years, really, it was just every week was new and exciting and fun. 
And, um, you know, there was such a, yeah, just, you didn't really think about anything other than here's something in Star Wars I love a lot and I want to talk about it with Jason, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, all right. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm going to grab this next question just because it comes in from a close friend of mine. Um, okay. So, uh, my friend Chris White says, will we see Ray in future adventures? Um, and my quick response is yes, definitely. I think we are definitely not done exploring the characters of the sequel trilogy. I think we'll definitely see Ray, Finn, and Poe again um, in some medium. And I really hope that we do. Yeah. I, 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 I 100% agree with that. The, the stories around them are, are not over by a, a long shot. Uh, however, I, I, I'm sad to say I'm not sure we'll see daisy ridley around much anymore you know which disappoints me Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. maybe in an animated form if they do animated stories she might come back in voice but i'm not sure she's gonna come back and do a lot of like live action ray stuff anymore which i'm sad about but uh that's just my my personal take but yes i think ray will will be around in future stories um next uh, we've got a couple questions um, from Justin Heimbuch. Heim, Heimbuch? I, I'm butchering your last name, Justin. I apologize. Um, but he says, what is one storyline in the sequel trilogy that you would have liked to see or wish they changed? Uh, same with the prequel trilogy. So... Do you want to start with this one or do you want me to? I can take it. Okay. I'll start. Um, so with the sequel trilogy, there's there's a lot of things that I would like <laughs> that I wish they had done differently with that with that trilogy, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, but I think one of the simplest things that I wish they had done differently is in episode nine, not making Ray a Palpatine. I think making Ray a Palpatine for me was a really dumb choice. Um, I mean, I heard JJ and Chris Terrio give their reasons why I don't agree with them. I, I don't hate them for making that decision. Uh, I think they had every reason to make it. Um, but it just, I don't know, it robbed something from episode nine for me. Um, it turned it into the Skywalker Palpatine saga, which it never was. (laughs) So I know they think that it is, but it's not really that story. Um, so yeah, that's the one thing is, I mean, I, I love every second. Ian McDermott is Palpatine in Rise of Skywalker. He is, it's so great having him back. He's perfect in the role. Um, But I think bringing him back just, it really completed the sequel trilogy is like, hey, here's a rehash of the original trilogy. So by not bringing him back, by make actually making Kylo the villain through it, um, uh, you know, or just, you know, dancing around the idea of what would exist in the vacuum. Uh, I think was a missed opportunity. So Palpatine, while I, I love him on screen in that movie, uh, that's the biggest thing for me that I think was uh, kind of just set the, set the train back on the track and we just went around again. So that's for me. Um, what about you though, with the sequels? Um, I, I'm similar to you. I, I don't mind that Palpatine was in the rise of Skywalker. Um, I thought it was kind of an, a nice button to not only the, the original trilogy, but the prequel trilogy. Um, but I do like the idea of Ray just being a nobody still, 
Um, I, I think they could have had the confrontation with Palpatine and he just is reaching out because he can sense her strength in the force rather than the fact that she's related to him. Um, so I, I, I think that's the tweak I would have uh, preferred that they went on uh, with the sequel trilogy. Uh, I, I'm very reticent to say, you know, things like, well, I wish they would have done this or, you know, want them to change that because I'm not the creator of it. Um, and as someone who is a creator, I, 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 I acknowledge that there are just things that I don't know and, you know, that they're telling the story that they think they need to be telling and it may not line up with the story I want to see. So um, I, I'm reticent to, to sit here and say, oh, yes, they should have changed this. However, one thing I will say I would have loved to see changed with the prequel trilogy is the scenes of Padme uh, talking with Bail Organa and uh, all the, the res- you know, um, the formation of the rebellion senators in revenge of the Sith. I know it would have made it, you know, 15 minutes longer. Um, but I would have loved to still have those scenes in the movie. And I know they're in the deleted scenes and the implication is, is that they still happened off screen, but I would have loved to still have them seen, um, in revenge of the Sith. So that's the, the change I would have made. Yeah, no changes for me. The prequels are perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, in all honesty, I think uh, I still is is as much as I love Phantom Menace. I do wish Episode One had a little bit older of an Anakin. That's that's still the big thing for me with the prequels that I think would have just made that story a little bit better. Is rather than starting with nine year old Anakin, start with fifteen, sixteen year old Anakin. Um, you know, and the Clone Wars, I feel like, should have started at the end of Episode 1. Um, episode 2 is all about the impact of them, and then Episode 3 is the end of them and the fall of Anakin. But um, I guess that, that's kind of a huge thing, probably. But again, it's I, I love the prequels as they are, but I think that is just the one little thing that, that if I still had one little pet peeve with it, is like, I just think Anakin should have been started as a, as a little bit older because I still just have a hard time buying that a nine-year-old falls in love with somebody quite like that because that's just not real. <laughs> So, um, you know, nine-year-olds can fall in love for sure, but not in the way that George, you know, thinks that it's implied. So. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Justin also asks, what is one thing Star Wars has briefly touched on or not even at all that you would love to see come to fruition and what kind of media would you prefer it on? I know this Uh, one right off the bat. Oh, sorry. Do you know too? Go ahead. I was going to say I would love to see Ryan Johnson give us either a movie or a Disney Plus series about the formation of the Jedi and the creation of the first temple on Octo. You know, um, that was the strongest point for me of the sequel trilogy is Ryan Johnson's insistence again of the spirituality of the force um, and pushing it into something new. Um, mm-hmm. and giving us the lore of here's where the first Jedi temple was. I would love the story and right. The high Republic is doing awesome work with the Jedi, but I want that formation story. I just think it would be so awesome to see how they formed, how they came together on Octo and built that temple. And since Ryan was the one who planted that seed, 
and has a beautiful understanding of the spirituality of Star Wars, I'd love for him to tell us that either in a movie or again in like a Disney Plus series. Yeah. That that would be that would be great. I I would love to see that story. Mine is also related to the Jedi, and we're getting it in drips and drabs from the High Republic. But I really just want to see what the, um, you know, a a normal you know Jedi in the Outer Rim, what their kind of you know life looks like, going out and helping people, and just seeing a Jedi follow, mm. not necessarily. Um, directions for missions, but being led by the will of the force to go help over here, to go to this planet, you know, things like that. You know, things that I feel like Qui-Gon would have been doing. Um, kind of, We got that in uh, The Elder in the Star Wars Visions um, mm, yeah. series, uh, that story. Uh, we got that a little bit there. So they, we've got a little bit glimpses of that in uh, the High Republic, but of course that's all centered around a big conflict that is uh, rising. So people are getting pulled away from those kinds of things. Um, but we got to see a little bit of it with the the Jedi Temple on Elfrona and stuff like that in the Light of the Jedi book. So um, I, things like that. We're getting bits of it, but I would really love to just someday get a story and I don't care. I, I think it would probably be best served uh, in a comic or or a novel, but just create some new Jedi characters and put them in an area of the galaxy and just see what they're doing and follow the different challenges that they have to overcome, you know. Yeah, I, something kind of looping back to the first question Raphael asked us. I guess part of me in my head canon thinks that, and again, I we don't know much about Luke's Jedi because those stories haven't been told yet, and we. We need them, in my opinion. Um, yes. But that said, I mean, I don't think Luke's Jedi really ever quite kicked off before, you know, Ben brings it down. But that said, I, I do feel like that's the sort of that's the sort of route Luke was going to take with his new Jedi. Right. It wasn't going to be this politicized order that it was of the prequels, but it was rather going to be these, you know, these intergalactic marshals <laughs> uh, who go keep peace where where the force needs them. Right. Uh, that's again, so that's just my perception of maybe what Luke was aiming to do. I, I could be dead wrong about that, but yeah, I love that idea, Jason. I think that those would be really fun stories. Yeah. Um, and then just a couple questions left here. Uh, this is really becoming two episodes in one. <laughs> so it's, yes, it's working out great. <laughs> um, but Emily Pelletier asks, and Emily of course has been a guest several times on the show and, I still miss Emily was the president of the Star Wars Club at the college I worked at, and I still miss the time we used to hang out just chatting Star Wars in the evening while I was there for work and coming up with different ideas for the Star Wars Club. Ugh, that was <laughs> some great memories <laughs> that I have with Emily. Um, but Emily's first question, it's similar to something we've, we've, been, we've talked about earlier, but um, Emily asks, if you guys could go back, what advice would you give to your past selves about podcasting and Star Wars fandom? And what do you hope to see from the Wampus Lair and Star Wars fan community in the next 10 years? So, you know, somewhat similar to things um, that we've kind of looked at. Um, but uh, I'll jump in quick and just sit, kind of reiterate what I was saying earlier, which is, I think, again, the advice to my past self is not to look at the numbers. <laughs> you know, do your best not and, and not only not to look at the numbers, but also 
Uh, don't look at the reviews in the iTunes store. <laughs> don't look at – granted, not that many people write those things there anymore. I, it, reviews are becoming less important, I feel like, because most people don't listen to podcasts through that app anymore. But uh, you know, just don't look at what people criticize about the show. Just keep doing what you love. You know, And just because someone doesn't like your take on Star Wars doesn't mean that your take is wrong or that you are wrong. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing I would tell young Carl's to, to, to not worry about going down that way and not to shy away about talking about certain things in star Wars and the lessons that it has for life because you are worried about upsetting somebody. Um, like I did tonight, I said some things that I'm sure don't please everybody and I don't mean to offend, but I also am not going to just ignore truths. Um, but uh, and then I think as far as again, and that, that kind of ties right into where I want to go for the next 10 years is to continue to do this in such a way that it continues to be fun and and letting go of the things that make it unfun, which could often mean. And I've done this several times over the years is just step away from social media. Don't do it for a while. It's overall, it's been really wonderful lately. And, you know, um, you know, I've got some, you know, my good buddy, Greg, who who's really good at managing social media and you know, really encourages, Hey, that's what block and mute is for, <laughs> you know? Um, and, 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 you know, it's and catering it that way. So to just continue to feel, uh, you know, the things that I love about star Wars talking about its spirituality, talking about it's, it's incredibly rich life lessons, as well as the incredibly fun things about star Wars to just never second guess, you know, if this is something that's on it, that's in my heart to talk about with star Wars, do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So what about you? I, I just to sort of uh, reiterate some of the things we talked about, because it is uh, very similar to what we talked about earlier. Um, I would I would tell myself, um, you know, don't don't do it for others. You know, don't, don't base what you're doing and what you're catering toward to uh, to people, you know, you, you, you're going to create your niche. What, what, we, what we deliberately did was we created our niche um, and those that like that niche will come to us, which is great and what is what happened. But there were times where, you know, I felt like, you know, we and we talked about them over the years. Like, should we change things to because of how things were shifting? And we eventually have come back to the place of, no, we're, we're here to be a positive fun place to talk about timeless things in star Wars. That's what we do. And, and, you know, I would have told myself to get to that point years and years and years ago. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and then what do I hope to see from the, the Wampus Lair and the star Wars fan community in 10, in another 10 years? Um, is that the, the sense of fun and wonder in star Wars, um, uh, comes back front and center. And that is something that we are working very hard with in this podcast. It's something I think that we're doing currently, but I want to make sure that that stays with the podcast. And I would love to see that really um, brought back to the forefront of the star Wars fan community uh, again is because it, there's always been, you know, trolls and, and people that, you know, like to throw bombs uh, you know, on the internet, it's always been the case, but I feel like those people tend to have bigger voices than they should nowadays. And we can't just say, oh yeah, just don't go to that, you know, 
<laughs> just don't go to that web forum anymore um, <laughs> because that's where they all gather. It's just, you know, uh, anyway, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> I, I would like to see the the wonder and the, the fun of Star Wars get brought back to the fore of of the fandom. So, yeah. Uh, and one, then one last, last question. question we sorry go ahead. I was just say yeah our last question. <laughs> sorry. Uh is from Steve Ramsden. Um he asks is now the best time ever to be a Star Wars fan? An extensive back catalog to look back upon plus the imminent arrival of new shows such as Kenobi etc. Thanks for brilliant 10 years. Well thank you Steve. Um Carl is now the best time ever to be a Star Wars fan. Yes and no. <laughs> I'll start with the I'll start with the no because nobody likes to go out on a on a low note. No, because uh, you know what? No, I'm not even going to waste my time with that. I've, I've made my point that there are jerks that exist in this fandom, but they're just as easy to ignore. Um, I think they're even easier to ignore when you're not doing um, anything that's uh, a, a publicly consumed project in the star Wars world, right? Like I, I always try to be cognizant of the fact that I, I want our show to be available to everyone. I want it to be accessible to everyone. Um, but there will be times when I'm going to speak my mind about certain things that I know won't connect with everybody. Um, and that's just, that's just going to happen. But at the end of the day, yeah, I kind of think it is the best time to be a star Wars fan. Um, because there is just so much good stuff. And, and that's the thing is whatever brought you into star Wars, uh, you know, whatever particular flavor does it for you in star Wars, there's going to be something to draw even deeper from, you know, if, if you came into star Wars because you love the Jedi, well, great news. The High Republic is absolutely crushing it right now with these stories of of Jedi and the Force, and it's awesome. If you came into Star Wars because you love the story of smugglers and scoundrels, well, there's this great show called The Mandalorian and a soon-to-be-released Book of Boba Fett, um, not to mention this great game by Fantasy Flight called Outer Rim, which is an awesome tabletop game. I mean, everything under the sun is accessible in Star Wars right now. Um, because of that, that push to really like, hey, let's make sure all aspects of Star Wars are well represented and 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 fed. Um, so, you know, I think in a lot of ways it is. And yes, while there are certainly uh, negative drawbacks to the social media side of Star Wars, there's also an immense good in it, too. Right. We are able to build strong connections with folks that we aren't able to see regularly because they live across the pond. And I believe Steve himself is, is it lives in the UK and, you know, jazz who lives in Norway, who's been a great friend for a decade now. Um, you know, obviously Joe Hogan, who's a, a pinnacle of the star of the Wampusler. Um, you know, so uh, there's such a huge community of people that love so many unique aspects of star Wars that, you know, uh, thinking back to 10 years ago, um, when I came into this podcast experience or even just went into my first ever convention, there were things about star Wars that I was like, I'm not sure if anybody else even really likes this part. And then I found that there were lots of people that do. <laughs> um, and I think that's the coolest thing is, is you can build really authentic communities who gravitate and who are fed by the same star Wars content as you are. Yeah. I, I would say yes. Now is the best time 
ever to be a Star Wars fan because, as Carl said, there is just so much coming out that you can tailor your Star Wars to your own tastes, you know, uh, which is not something we've really been able to do up until now. Like it, it's it's been one of those things where it's just like there is a movie that came out <laughs> and then we have to wait three years for another movie and we all just take in that movie. Yes, there's some comics and novels, um, but they, you know, I'm thinking back to the prequel era when uh, that sort of preceded this podcast. We had the prequel movies, but then you had all the books and novels that came out um, that for the most part were going along trying to tell the story between those movies. Um, but now – now we have just got a wide open view of all sorts of eras in Star Wars with different uh, focuses and different flavors and different textures and all of this stuff. And that there there really is too much to consume all of it, you know, at this point, which is a little bit of a of a downside sometimes like we I used to be able to keep up with everything. Now I can't. Um, but that being said, I can say, this is what I like about star Wars. So let me focus on this, you know, or, uh, you know, something, you know, or that, uh, you know, if it's going to be the comics, there's, well, which comics do you want? Do you want the Vader stuff? Do you want the high Republic stuff? Do you want the regular line? You know, do you want any of these other, uh, offshoots that we have the limited run stuff with the TV shows we're getting like. I don't know, half a dozen TV shows in the next two years on Disney Plus. Which one do you want? I don't know. All of them, maybe, maybe just a few of them. <laughs> you can tailor what you want in Star Wars now. You can make your Star Wars very easily now with what you want to consume. And that's cool. Um, you know, if you want to try and take it all in, good luck. <laughs> I bid you, I bid you all the success in the world. Um, but, Right now, it is it is nice to be able to say, no, I want to just focus on this and, you know, or maybe just this era and all the different media there. So I think that's that's a cool part about Star Wars is that you're now able to do that. So. Oh, well, there you go. We got we got to all the questions. Cool. Um, and again, just a, a thank you to all of you who wrote them in and gave us gave us this opportunity to even be a little self-reflective. Um, you know, I think milestones in life are important, right? We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate birthdays because milestones mean something because it's an opportunity to look back and to reflect on how you've grown. Um, so all of these questions in their own way invited Jason and I into that. So thank you for, for giving us that opportunity. And for all of you who are still with us two hours and 20 minutes later, <laughs> Jason, this is like the early days. We used to go this long pretty regularly in the early days. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, this has been kind of a nice little two-part episode. And, and we appreciate you celebrating this this decade of Wampus Lair with us. Um, and, you know, our, our vow to you is to just continue giving you fun, positive regular looks at star Wars and we hope you will continue to participate in those conversations um, because uh, it, it makes the show even more fun. 
Indeed. And to sort of kick off uh, our second decade, Carl, we've got a, a new little segment instead of a poll or a matchup. We've got a I don't know what we want to call it. A this or that. You know? Yeah. So or like I said earlier today, um, uh, I was watching uh, Empire Strikes Back with with Jazz and uh, Jazz and I got into a little game of a would you rather, <laughs> but the Star Wars edition. And we thought and, and I kept asking Jazz all these really fun questions and he was asking me some. And I said to him, I was like, I feel like this guy, this, this needs to make its way into the show. And he was like, yeah, he goes, that's what this could be like a poll, a matchup type thing. And I was like, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, so we have our first ever Wampus Lair, would you rather? And our question to you to start is, would you rather have lunch with George Lucas or would you rather spend an entire day exploring Skywalker Ranch? George would not be there. Obviously, let me specify that. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, that's an exciting one. I'm definitely going to have to think about that one because Carl popped that on me earlier today and I was like, I don't know. There are bonuses in, to both of those. I don't, can I can do it all in one day? No, no, never mind. Um, but yeah, would you rather lunch with George Lucas or a day at Skywalker Ranch? That's a, that's a good one. Uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on this new segment or just – Respond to anything that we may have talked about this episode. Where can people get in contact with us? Um, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair, and we're on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. What did you say, Jason? I'm sorry. The music weirdly sorry. cut you out. <laughs> uh Anything else you want to say about this, our 10th anniversary of the Wampus Lair podcast? I mean, of course, there's more I want to say, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Um, <laughs> uh, just because we've talked so long as it is. But I would be remiss to not say, Jason, and I think it's important to say this so everyone can hear it. I could not have done this with anybody but you. Uh, you are the most incredibly fun person to enjoy Star Wars with. These conversations over 10 years have always been fun. Uh, I love how willing you are to do anything that I bring up because I'm always thinking about new things all the time about Star Wars. I message you and say, hey, how about this? And you're always like, yeah, definitely. That sounds great. So, you know, I cannot think of anyone else that could have made this a better experience. So thank you, Jason, for 10 great years. Thank you, Carl, for 10 years. Uh, it has been a wild ride and has been one of the most weirdly the one of the most stabilizing things in my life over the past decade uh, is being able to come on uh, on a weekly basis and do a podcast with you. So thank you just for that. Thank you for giving me a space to be silly and goofy about my enjoyment of star Wars and for, you know, putting and for encouraging all of my, my, quotes and antics so thank you um <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure's been mine my friend <laughs> thank you and thank you everyone so much for putting up with us for 10 years putting up with an extended episode uh we greatly greatly appreciate all of that um and we look forward to continuing on in this wonderful world of star wars podcasting this has been episode 442 of the Wampus Lair podcast, ranking the scores part three and 10 years of podcasting. For Carl, I'm Jason. We'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.